Welcome, Mistorians. Host Austin Heave-She and host Brenda She-Her have been waiting for you. Come along for Secret Histories of Nerd Mysteries. Welcome to Secret Histories of Nerd Mysteries, a nerdy podcast for nerds. And mysteries. <laughs> and then mysteries. So, sorry if our audio sounds a little scuffed this week. Austin, where are you at? <laughs> I'm in a hotel in an undisclosed location in Pennsylvania. I don't know why I say undisclosed. I won't be here, but can you hear this? I'm in York, Pennsylvania. <laughs> oh, I've been telling people you're in New York. I'm screaming. No, that's even better. <laughs> I'm, a New York. I'm a moving target. No, you're not the first person who's like, oh my gosh, you're being, you're going out to New York for work? No, absolutely not, Dusty. There, there's not a, uh, one of my, uh, my like job I do besides podcasting is I'm a therapist. Uh, therapists do not have conferences in New York. <laughs> Maybe they do. Not what, not what I do. That is not where we meet. We meet in places like York where there's not a lot of people and you don't get bothered. Okay, well, I'm recording uh, once again because this, um, for the Magical Girl episode, I recorded from this same exact closet. Throwback. Throwback. I've really upgraded the setup. I um, <laughs> bought a second I've Yeti re- microphone. I've really upgraded this closet. That I've upgraded this closet. House. It's got... There's squishmallows in here, so I have great back support. There's literally, I hung a blanket from the clothes rack, like, to absorb sound. I've got my long stuffed cat in here to absorb more sound. So hopefully it doesn't sound really scuffed. (laughs) Yeah, I hope mine sounds okay. Um, I have to say, Brenda does some of their best work recording from this exact closet. Yes, I love this closet. This closet's pretty great. I could take a nap in here. (laughs) Well, aside from our um, bizarre recording like situations this week, do we want to uh, thank everyone for listening? Yeah, thank you so much. It's been thank you. You've given us such a warm welcome. Thank you to old listeners coming back. Thank you to all the new listeners. Thank you to everybody for the warm welcome to Maximum Fun. We're so excited to be here, and we're we're glad that you're yeah. excited for us to be here. Yeah, if y'all liked new listeners liked my SpongeBob laugh from last week, you have not heard the Mickey Mouse. <laughs> Um, impression yet the legally distinct mickey mouse depression you are in for a treat that makes me feel like we're getting mickey mouse today everybody so you should hold on to your seat (laughs) i have a bit of news for you lovely people oh ho ho our news segment lovely news so as you probably have seen if you are a nerd and or on the internet at all there's a legend of zelda movie being made i hate this (laughs) it was announced in the most bizarre fashion which was it was announced on nintendo's official twitter which is like sounds fine on paper right Uh, but it was announced on their japanese twitter yeah the, the, the parent company nintendo not like what if you're listening to this show i assume you are in an english speaking land because we talk in english but like 
that's not the Twitter we're used to getting news from for Nintendo. Like, usually Nintendo of America will also tweet it. Mm-hmm. And it was a very bizarre tweet, like, in Japanese. And then, like, a press a press release was attached to it also in Japanese. And then they tweeted in English, which they never do. No. This is Miyamoto. I have been working <laughs> on a live-action film of The Legend of Zelda for many years with Avi Aradsan, who has produced many <laughs> mega-hit films. That is barely true. <laughs> My, yesterday I was hanging out with a friend and we were talking about it and she was like, oh, like the Avi Arad, like the, like the hereditary guy. And I was like, no, no, that is not who that is. <laughs> who was the person that directed hereditary? Hereditary? I don't know. It's, it's similar. So it's not like completely like unheard of. Avi is known for produce. He's produced a lot of movies. He helped produce Into the Spider-Verse, which he got a, and that he got an Academy Award for. He is one of the people that did stuff with like Toy Biz back in the day with Marvel Comics. He's like been around for a long time. He <laughs> he uh did his first non-Marvel movie was 2007's Bratz. Uh, <laughs> oh, it all comes together. <laughs> it all comes together. He like all of his credits that I can think of at the top of my head are producer credits. I can't think of him directing my friend was thinking of ari aster who is the director of hereditary (laughs) i can see how this happened avi arad and shigeru miyamoto the father zelda himself are producing the movie (laughs) and that's that's kind of all we know it was just like this tweet (laughs) it was this tweet that this is miyamoto i'm making a legend of zelda movie with this guy who's made a lot of mega hit films and it's really weird because, like, the Mario... I don't know if they were, like, afraid of what happened with the Mario movie where, like, they announced it and the internet was like, this is a meme. I don't believe you. And they're like, let's do <laughs> let's do the polar opposite. Let's make it as lackluster as possible. I don't want it. I, I literally, in my mind, I cannot picture what this looks like. You can't picture flesh and blood Link? <laughs> no, I can't. He's like a... He just can't. I mean, I can picture him in like Studio Ghibli style, like mm-hmm. the soft animation. That's not happening. It's not animated. It's not happening. Like, yeah, no. they 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 say it's a live action production. Honestly, my ideal Zelda like interpretation would be Guillermo del Toro and some obscure two D French animation studio that does like <laughs> weird stuff, or the studio behind um, Secret of Kells. Oh yeah. A Wind Waker movie from the animation studio behind Secret of Kells would be absolutely perfect. Here's here's the other problem. I'm yes. a Legend of Zelda freak. I have it tattooed on my body. Yes. Is this going to be one of the games or is it a new story? Because if it's a new story, like, where is it in the timeline? Is this lore? Yeah. Is this canon? Like, you can Mario <laughs> is kind of Mario's kind of whatever. Like, no one's stressing about Mario lore. Us Legend of Zelda fans? You can't just, you can't just be like, it's a new legend. It's like, you can't just do that. You And I know yeah. Miyamoto knows that, but it's like, <laughs> it's very, very weird. This press release is also like very formal. It's like they're talking to like business investors. They're like, we're producing this movie, Nintendo and Arab Productions, directed by Wes Ball. And it's going to be co-financed by Nintendo and Sony Pictures. Nintendo's financing more than 50% of it, which is a lot. They're, they're putting a lot of money into this movie. Yeah, so at least they'll have, like, a lot of input. But this is, like, kind of, like, the same issue that, like, five, the Five Nights at Freddy's movie had, which I can talk about now because the strike mm. ended um, a couple hours ago. Yes, the SAG after Shrek is also over. Yay. 
It's over. Yay, we talk about movies. Barbie was good. Blue Beetle was good. Flash was terrible. <laughs> <laughs> like, having, like, a whole bunch of lore. So FNAF's solution was just to create a completely separate timeline and make mm. the, make it be, like, really distinct. Like, it's, like, its own timeline. There's things that don't match up with the game, so you can't... Mm -hmm. You don't know what to expect from the future. Mm -hmm. I feel like they might go with that, but it's also Zelda, and so I'm not sure. Live action modern day Zelda. <laughs> it's not gonna be like Sonic where they were like, everything is canon. <laughs> oh my god, no, I want this to be like, it's like, it's some fucking kid named named Link for some reason. Oh my god, what if they do like, the games exist in this world and it's like a kid named after Link in the game. We've done this before. It's called Captain and the Game Master. <laughs> you're true. You're right. You're so true. We've right. done this. It turns out just to be an adaptation of Captain N. <laughs> I'm like so utterly baffled by this, you know? Like, I don't, I don't know. It's the way, okay. People have been asking for Legend of Zelda extra media outside the games for literally years. Yes. And it's the way this was done. Like, it was, like, a business proposal. Like, this press release is, like, like to whom it may concern. It has all mm -hmm. of the companies on it. Like, it is, like, it's going to investors. And I don't know if they knew that, like, it was going to get out because it's such a big deal that they're like, yeah, we're going to send this out to all of our investors. And one of them is going to leak it to the press. Yeah. Like, I don't, I don't understand why it was done like this. It's so weird. And it felt like a hack because, like, that Twitter had no other posts in english no so it was like it feels like a joke because they're like oh the guy that produced venom <laughs> and, who has made many great movies according to this tweet i was like this feels fake the, the, the guy who made 2003 Morbius, hulk <laughs> hulk you know like it's just i don't know how much more we can say it's just i don't know what's going on no no one does it's but hey the producer from Craven the Hunter 2024 is not a producer for the Legend of Zelda movie. Oh, God. <laughs> Good Lord. We'll, uh, we'll listen. If they tell me it's a new story, I'll be there when it's out. I won't have a choice. I ha I'm a Legend of Zelda weirdo. I have to consume <laughs> every single piece of that franchise they put out for the rest of my life. I mean, we will see it. But we, I don't, yeah. I don't know what I, I literally like. <laughs> there's like a be... hole in my brain where this movie could be. Like I just cannot picture it. It's where no. the, the actual hole in my brain is. That's where the Legend of Zelda movie. It's just so, the biggest thing. I don't know if it's because of the strike. Like they wanted to announce it, but they couldn't hire anyone yet to like be in trailers or anything yet. So they're like, well, we need to announce this. We've been sitting on yeah. it. We've been sitting on it like it's the last quarter. We need to announce it to get like a big jump for next quarter for the beginning of the year. We can't wait to hire people and make like a little teaser or stinger. You know, we need to just say, like, I don't know. Anyway, you know me. I'll be out here looking into any single public Nintendo investor note that I can. <laughs> oh, my God. All right. And that was the news. So I think we're going to take a little break and then we will be right back with our topic of the week. I'm Yucky Jessica. I'm Chuck Crudsworth. And this is Terrible. A podcast where we talk about things we hate that are awful. Today we're discussing Wonderful, a podcast on the Maximum Fun Network. Hosts Rachel and Griffin McElroy, a real-life married Yuck. couple. Yuck. 
discuss a wide range of topics. Music, video games, poetry, snacks. But I hate all that stuff. I know you do, Yucky Jessica. It comes out every Wednesday, the worst day of the week, wherever you download your podcasts. For our next topic, we're talking Fiona the baby hippo from the Cincinnati Zoo. I hate this little hippo. All right, and we are back. So I didn't give any hints for what this episode would be. So I'm just going to get right into it. And my topic for this week is how did the Sally Corporation reinvent the dark ride? I know this sounds cryptic. It's like, what the hell is Sally Corp? No, I like how cryptic it is. (laughs) (laughs) Some of you might not know, like, who aren't very into, like, the theme park side of, like, nerddom might not know what a dark ride is. So I'll explain. Austin, do you know what a dark ride is? I do. I just want to say this sounds so Half-Life. Sally Corp, (laughs) the dark ride. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, a dark ride is like an inside ride, right? Yes. So a dark ride is essentially like a ride that's inside. They are some of the oldest forms of like amusement park rides. So think of like love tunnels, pretzel dark rides, uh, ghost Mm -hmm. trains, haunted houses. You're in like an old car that like literally like pushes through the door. (laughs) There's like a universal one that's a movie one. Yeah, E.T. is a dark ride. On the Disney side of things, It's a Small World is a dark ride. Pirates of the Caribbean is a dark ride. The Haunted Mansion is a dark ride. So it's kind of like ride that's inside. A lot of times they tell stories, especially Disney rides will tell stories. So like Mm. when Disney premiered It's a Small World in 1964 at the New York World's Fair, it doesn't have like a big story, but it's like this is everyone from around the world singing a song for you like or Mm. like this is the story of snow white this is the story of these pirates that lived a long time ago this Mm. is the story of a mansion that's full of 99 ghosts so it's like you can kind of tell stories with it it's like kind of like a really malleable type of ride but yeah that's what a dark ride is the thing that we're really going to focus on today is that dark rides also because they like their story base a lot of involve like heavy animatronics disney has really like elevated what constitutes a good dark ride. A lot of times these rides are inaccessible to smaller theme parks and they're not quite as, there's not as much incentive to purchase a dark ride because a dark ride isn't going to win awards. So like a Mm. roller coaster, yeah. So like a roller coaster that is like the tallest roller coaster, the biggest roller coaster, the fast, it's going to get tons of press and news attention. Mm. But if you install like Scooby-Doo shoots a ghost... (laughs) (laughs) no one really cares (laughs) you can easily get like children into your theme park by installing a carnival flat ride you know Mm -hmm. really for a very long time disney had the like market cornered on dark rides we're gonna start talking about sally corporation a lot of people still refer to this company as sally dark rides specifically but nowadays it is legally sally corporation it was established in 1977 as a company that made mannequins for dental offices and museums wait pause (laughs) yeah (laughs) what do you you know i'll i'll let you keep cooking what do you know what do you mean it was for dental hygienists (laughs) And mannequins. Before the dark rides was part of this, Sally Corporation made mannequins. So it was founded by three guys are referred to as the three Johns. You've got John Wood, John Fox, and John Rob Holland. You know what? 
I have <laughs> I have very specific opinions on people with the same name working together yes, or being married. But th- three of them. Oh, getting married. <laughs> Taylor. <laughs> Taylor. Taylor. I'm talking Lautner about you, Taylor Lautner. Taylor. Jesus. <laughs> I won't go down that path, but it just makes me think of that. That has to be mm-hmm. annoying, right? You're like, I don't want to be part of a set. I don't want to be the three Johns. Like Exactly. So we're going to focus on John Rob Holland, who went to dental school. He loved tinkering with mechanics in his garage. And apparently at one point he built a plane just by himself. (laughs) For his dental school, there was a class where he needed to like, he had a project he needed to do. So he made a rudimentary animatronic figure named Sally. So supposedly Sally was named after a friend of his. They've never exactly said who this is, but he like, you know, did good on the assignment ended up taking Sally home and using her as a Halloween decoration. (laughs) And she was really popular as a Halloween decoration. Like, people really loved her. They were like, wow, this is, like, really cool. So the three Johns get together, and they're like, hey, we should create a company where we make more of these. Um, They figured that, like, museums could use, like, interactive, like, displays that have, like, you know, rudimentary motion. They figured Mm -hmm. that Sally could be used as an announcer. They had kind of, like, uncovered this untapped market. And, like, they figured that people could use animatronics in more mundane applications than, like, at theme parks. So they created 1977 or 1978. It does differ from what sources you use. In the general period of those two years, they created Sally Unlimited, which was Sally Corporation's original name. in Jacksonville, Florida, and just kind of got to work. Austin, do you know anything animatronic related that was happening in 1977? 77? Yes. Uh, Search your heart, you'd know is, this answer. It's uh is it's either Showbiz or Charles. Charles. It's Charles? Okay. <laughs> 1977 is the exact year when Nolan Bushnell, co-founder of Atari and the founder of Chuck E. Cheese, <laughs> opens his first restaurant. <laughs> It's, it's like that's like if we wrote a history book one day i don't know where we would but if you wrote a history book that's on the timeline is like the hippies the vietnam war nolan bushville co-founder of retiring open the first chuck e cheese truly uh nolan bushville opening the first chuck e cheese us having a podcast yeah it all just like leads up to this this moment we are clearly his the the top of his pyramid clearly it's us mm-hmm. it's what it was all for while nolan bushnell opens chuck e cheese it has like the cyberamic animatronic band you know chucky and all of his buddies they're kind of you know it's it's interesting mm-hmm. that these things happened like at the same time so it's like you have like sally corporation intending to like make like more mundane animatronics and nolan bushnell creating an animatronic band at the same time because mm. the creation of this band would influence what sally would work on down the line what happened is chuck e cheese was very popular and people wanted to copy that oh right i mean everyone yeah. it was it was a new industry and it's a new industry right at the the beginning of the 80s right because like it comes out in 77 but it starts taking off when like malls are taking off like people are spending yep. money and business business guys are like there's money and fucking robots and pizza <laughs> Mm-hmm. Give me a robot with pizza. Exactly. They're like, we need a robotic band to com- like to kind of compete with Chuck E. Cheese. We want like a piece of this this pie. Pizza. These companies that want to have these animatronic restaurants need to find someone who's also making animatronics. Mm-hmm. 
and they find Sally Corp. So Sally would create like a bunch of these kind of like knockoff Chuck E. Cheese bands for celebration station locations, for like smaller theme parks. Like Splendid mm-hmm. China had a show for a while. Splendid China was a short-lived Chinese themed theme park in Orlando. <laughs> if people don't know, <laughs> so they kind of like you know were suddenly were thrust into this like different type of animatronics that they weren't used to so they like you know they switched from using individual motors to using a pneumatic system like the Chuck E. Cheese animatronics run on just kind of shifted everything they were doing and by the time 1984 rolls around they are on the fifth iteration of Sally and now she can play the piano and put on a looping autonomous show So this is a chunk of a news story about Sally that has been archived on Sally Dark Ride's Sally Corporation's YouTube. She's talented, good-looking, and an entertainer par excellence. Meet Sally, our piano-playing lady. Sally's realistic good looks, lovely voice, and piano-playing finesse have surprised and delighted many restaurant, hotel, and lounge guests across the nation. She plays good music. She's attractive. First class all the way. Sally's the perfect employee. She's always sober, doesn't take breaks, and even comes with a warranty. To complement live entertainment, or as a class act on her own, Sally is a guaranteed winner. Available for booking into your place today. So, play it again, Sally. (laughs) Oh, no! This... I have so many feelings right now. There is something... I was already feeling weird because, like, of three white guys, I assume named John, made a robot lady. But that ad was like, that feels bad, right? Right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> especially the guy that's like, mm, she's hot. Like, she's attractive. Okay. Listen, sir, I also want to fuck a robot, but the way you say it <laughs> feels misogynistic. Yeah, it's like, you worry. In, like, the newspaper, there's, like, a newspaper clipping that they show in this video that says like give a lady a screwdriver it's like (laughs) excuse me she's always sober (laughs) that like all of this has a weird energy yes and so you know what happened after sally started this fifth iteration of sally started being introduced at like hotels and like cocktail lounges a bunch of musicians went on strike and would picket locations where sally was installed because she was literally taking their jobs i mean yeah yeah (laughs) they literally market her as like why would you pay a person exactly oh my god is sally the first ai discourse Oh, maybe not the first, but she definitely one of the first. Like, <laughs> she, she's AI is taking our jobs. <laughs> That's, yeah, wow. That ad really cemented, like, <laughs> are people viewing this the way I think they are? Oh, they sure were. Sally kind of continues to, like, innovate, make more, like, movement in their <laughs> animatronics. <laughs> so it's not just, like, Sally's completely static, unmoving face while she's supposedly singing i have another clip this is another one directly from sally corporation sally dark rides and this is just so less audio for you the audience to hear and more just so austin can kind of see the improvements that were achieved after sally our talented staff of dream makers are ready to bring your ideas to life big or small 
we can make your dreams a reality. Uh, don't worry, dear listener. The weird wizard guy you saw in the the tweet that we put out as the as the teaser you is was in this video. That is that was that was him. You're right. So you kind of got like a glimpse of like some of the many animatronic bands they kind of um, yeah. shambled together. <laughs> a lot of those dogs looked very familiar. Yes. So actually, those dogs you can actually find a lot of those dogs around. There is a functioning band of those dogs in flint michigan at huckleberry junction (laughs) they're well maintained they still sing also fun fact there is a band of those dogs in japan at some obscure ski resort in hokkaido (laughs) Hmm. so these are all over the world (laughs) then in 1984 which is the same year that sally version 5 is introduced Chuck E. cheese files for bankruptcy you know if you've heard our Chuck E. Cheese episode, you kind of know like what happens after this. But if you haven't listened to that one, because I get it, we have a lot of episodes, and that one's definitely not as polished as the newer ones are. Mm-hmm. But what happens in this time is that Chuck E. Cheese and Showbiz Pizza end up merging together, but also simultaneously the entire fad of animatronic pizza restaurants goes down dramatically. Sally finds themselves without like this kind of niche that they had worked themselves into that they mm-hmm. found they're not getting like calls to like make like another circus themed band or design another dragon like they're doing like little things for theme parks so they did like they supplied the animatronics for the Six Flags Power Plant which was an indoor theme park and then around this time they actually get called on by Universal Studios who is looking to elbow their way into Walt Disney World's market in Orlando. They want to open a theme park right down the street from Walt Disney World. Okay. (laughs) They need talent to help them create Disney-level attractions. And so they look to Sally Corp, and they're like, we're going to be building, we're going to be designing this E.T. ride that's going to have over 300 animatronics, and we don't have the skills. Like, we can build the ride. We don't have the skills to make the animatronics. We need you guys Mm. to do that. Sally Corp designs the animatronics for E.T. Adventure. It has more animatronics than It's a Small World. It's a Small World has 300 dolls, and E.T. has a little over 300 animatronics. (laughs) (laughs) Fucking price is right. There's 301 animatronics on E.T. No, I don't know. I couldn't find the exact reading. (laughs) Yeah, no, it just, it has that energy of like, oh, we Mm -hmm. have more. If you check the records, we have 302 dolls. Price is right rules. (laughs) So Sally was brought in to help the designers of the ride. Fun fact, E.T. Adventure is the only ride left from opening day of Universal Orlando. It is the last one. It is in bad shape. (laughs) Yeah, I'm, I... When I went to it years ago as a kid, I remember we were mm-hmm. gonna go and it was like closed for maintenance or something. And I, I've yeah. heard that often that people will try and go and there's like half it isn't working, it's closed for maintenance or like something along those natures. This is like super niche, but I don't think I'm gonna be able to talk about it any other time on the podcast. The smell of E.T.'s adventure is so distinct. Mm-hmm. It has a smell. Continue. <laughs> like, Say more words. It's hard to describe. Hey, audience. Have you been on E.T. Adventure? What is that smell? Why does it smell like what? I can't describe it. It's like, is it outdoorsy? Mm-hmm. Is it mold? I don't know what it is. I want to go on a nose. Take me on a ner- nose journey. What's it closest to? Oh, it's, it feels cold and moist in there. <laughs> it's, it's, it, it smells cold. Okay, Wolverine. It smells cold. I don't know what to say. <laughs> 
fucking bloodhound co-host here. I love you. Please continue. <laughs> yes. E.T. was really popular. It had, like, a lot of, like, cutting-edge technology. Like, at the end of the ride, E.T. reads off your name or does his best to read off your name and says goodbye to you. So Sally's like, okay, maybe there's more need for like this type of ride like maybe disney doesn't have to be the only person who has a dark ride you know there are other dark rides that are not created by disney but they have mm-hmm. a sort of hominess to them mm. <laughs> you know they just don't have the quote-unquote disney polish that the disney rides do so like lots of like animatronics with like rudimentary motion 2d cutouts you know that sort of thing so it's like There's not really a company that is specializing and has made a ride system that's easy to install and cheaper to install in these smaller theme parks. Right. Yeah. It's like, if you think about it, like Cedar Point doesn't have a dark ride. Universal has very few. They have E.T. They have Cat in the Hat is another Mm -hmm. one. Mm -hmm. That one's fun because that whole ride is just disintegrating. But anyway. I feel like what you're getting at is like they... They, like, start building these and, like, sell it. Like, they build, they start building, like, original rides and start selling them to mm-hmm. people? Yeah. First, they get the Ghostbusters license, and they're like, we're going to create a Ghostbusters ride that also has, like, a game-type aspect to it. Like, you know, a hmm. light shooter. Oh, like a rail shooter IRL. Uh-huh. Exactly. And they're like, Ghostbusters is a great IP to have this for. They kind of, they start developing it. Eventually, unfortunately, they lose the license to Universal. Universal actually never ends up opening a Ghostbusters ride. (laughs) You hate to see, you hate to see the the IP snipe when people are just like, I have more money than you. This is mine now. What are you going to do? Absolutely nothing. But neither will you. Yeah. They just ended up opening like a stage show, you know, (laughs) very disappointing. Man, that would have been sick. Right? Sally eventually does just produce their own dark ride. It's a little more rudimentary. It opens in 1995. They're approached by a theme park called Family Kingdom, who wants to create a custom ride system that will fit into the footprint of a closed Mexican restaurant that they had on site. Sally gets to work on this. It ends up being opened in 1995, Quick Draw, and it's features the first point and shoot system like light gun system so riders can you know shoot at things Hmm. on the ride ride course and gain points and compete with each other nice this is actually this is very significant for sally and for like the direction that dark rides would go in the future because Mm -hmm. like this hadn't been done before disney would not have a similar ride until 1998 when they opened buzz lightyear space ranger spin And then Universal Mm. would not have a ride like this until 2000 when they opened Men in Black Alien Attack. So Sally was the first one to develop this ride system and to make this ride system easy to install. They've made so many different variations of this because, like, it could be, like, literally you're shooting anything or, like, you know, at anything. And, like, the gun could be, like, a bubble gun or you can make it as violent or as not violent as you want. It's just, it can be reskinned to be anything. No, I mean, that's a, you have this thing, no one else is doing it at this scale. Like, you have, like, Disney, but, like, Disney's not going to sell their rights to other people. hmm And it just creates this, I don't know, especially if people are, like, kidding it to Disney or, like, thinking of it as, like, a Disney thing sort of thing, you know? Yeah. It really gives you that, like, it can give people that Disney feel. Like, this is, like, being at Disney, but it's, you know, a theme park that's a little bit more accessible because Disney is, like, a whole production to get to as a family. Mm-hmm. 
it's like if these could be installed in like more regional theme parks, then like more kids would get to experience or like, you know, more families, more adults, anyone. Yeah, guys, remember this is for kids. <laughs> Do you remember this is for kids, everybody? Did you rem- did you remember that theme parks are for children? <laughs> did, you, did you remember that? <laughs> People like us who can't go on roller coasters, okay? <laughs> it's me. I'm too. Roller coasters are scary. They're, you don't understand. I'm so, I'm so fucking good at alien, men in black alien attack. I always fucking win. <laughs> <laughs> I know exactly what to shoot. I'm so fucking good at it. Can your roller coaster do that? Can your roller coaster? No, no, I've gotten from roller coaster losing a shoe, losing a hat, <laughs> losing my lunch. <laughs> Being afraid, <laughs> crying in front of my crush in the sixth grade. Roller coasters are nothing for me. Getting my head knocked around by the fucking corkscrew at Cedar Point. I hate that thing. Cedar Point, I'm in your walls. Secret histories of nerd mysteries will be back after these messages. Welcome back to Secret Histories of Nerd Mysteries. So Sally Dark Rides is finding that like this type of like thing that they've installed is like really malleable you can make Mm -hmm. sesame street you can make lego you can make scooby-doo like anything is really possible you can retrofit the system to just be anything so it turns into like their new niche like they're still making some animatronics for displays and such but mostly they're making animatronics for their own rides that are now being sent across the world so like they're selling like a lot of rides to china which has like a really burgeoning theme park industry and a lot of like indoor theme parks like and dark rides are perfect for indoor theme parks because they have smaller footprints and like it doesn't take up as much room as a roller coaster (laughs) regardless of your climate like we as humans have gotten very good at making inside comfortable with the with the right tools at our disposal so we're gonna rewind just like very briefly to talk about sally's relationship with six flags six flags is a theme park chain it well now that like last week it merged with cedar fair it is the biggest theme park chain in the world that's so that, funny. yeah that was some news that cedar fair which owns cedar point knott's berry farm merged with six flags so now six flags <laughs> is the biggest theme park conglomerate. Sally starts working with them. Six Flags has had the Warner Brothers license since 1984. That means in their theme parks, they get to use like Looney Tunes, Scooby-Doo, Batman, like the DC superheroes, which is why in the United States, we haven't really gotten any really polished dark rides featuring these characters. If you think about like Marvel, Universal Studios has like the Marvel theme park license in Orlando and then Disney has the Marvel license everywhere else and there's like a couple really cool Spider-Man dark rides Ant-Man one in Paris I believe something there's an Ant-Man one somewhere we don't get that with like the DC characters we get roller coasters we get Batman the chiller we get Superman the ride we get there was a Harley Quinn roller coaster and a Green Lantern roller coaster we don't get dark rides for these characters but that would all change in 2014 when six flags would contact sally and be like hey we want to make a dark ride we're gonna call it justice league battle for metropolis (laughs) (laughs) so it tells like a story yeah i think the premise of the ride is that starro's attacking i think and also the joker 
maybe because there's a very impressive joker animatronic in this ride there's like two like physical animatronics there's a cyborg that talks mm-hmm. to you in the queue line like buzz lightyear talks to you in <laughs> buzz lightyear space ranger spin <laughs> and then there is like a joker that at one point like shoots steam at you he is so scary i swear to god he has real human teeth <laughs> It's it's your sleep paralysis demon. Exactly. Six Flags really wanted it to be like higher quality. They were like, we don't want this to look cheesy, but we want it to be fun. We want to have a Disney polish dark ride in our theme parks that we can install at multiple theme parks. And mm-hmm. that's part of Sally's system is that they can be installed easily in multiple places. Here is a promotional video from Sally Dark Rides about their process for designing the Joker and the cyborg animatronics featured on the ride. Cyborg and Joker were very special to us since we had never seen these guys realized as animatronic figures before. It was a real challenge to to bring them to life, to sculpt them, to make them chrome, to make sure that Joker's costume was the right shade of purple and all those little, little details that are important to an IP character. Working with Sally has really been easy. They're very responsive to uh, our requests and, and to the, the whole planning process and the construction process. Not to mention the great work that they do with the, the scenic design and really bringing all the major vendors together to create this, this tremendous ride. The Joker. the Having the motors and his lips... The Joker. The eyelashes. Face? His, like, teeth go clickety-clack. Yeah, it's terrifying. His, like, teeth and mouth go clickety-clack. Yeah, but you can see how far we've come. Compare it to Sally version 5 playing the piano to here. Yeah, I mean, it is, like, horribly polished. I mean, so this is, like, this is, like, a mega hit, and now Sally, like, just coasts on this Justice League ride forever. Asa, do you want to guess how many Six Flags this ride has been installed in? I don't know how many Six Flags there are, so I'm going to guess a number that feels big for the amount of it being the largest conglomerate of theme parks in, say, 15. Well, that's a little lofty. Six. (laughs) (laughs) There are five that have been installed in the United States, and then one at Six Flags in Mexico. There's also one, I think, in New Jersey? that does not have the 3D implemented anymore. But other than that, they're all still open and functioning, and it's a ride that's gotten, like, lots of, like, good press and, like, attention because Six Flags doesn't do this. Six Flags doesn't have dark rides. They're, like, all about, like, we need the biggest, fastest roller coaster so people will talk about this roller coaster. Right. I mean, that's their whole thing. Same thing with um the who they just merged with, Cedar yep. Point. That's their whole thing is, like, this roller coaster goes one million miles an hour and you're like this is fun yeah it's like people like this i don't know i love it when theme parks have these options because i I like going to theme parks but i can't go on roller coaster that big roller coaster too big scared don't i don't like being frightened (laughs) we are we are we are shaking hands. When are we taking a field trip to a theme park? We need to go to a theme park. I just don't know which one because we are closest to, well, Michigan Adventure, I think, is the closest. Yeah, we're like close to all the roller coaster ones. We live by all yes. these roller coaster people. Yeah, we don't live by like the ones that we would actually have fun at. <laughs> <laughs> it's not even like, okay, we've, if we went to Knott's Berry Farm, we could go to the Boysenberry Festival they have because like Knott's Berry Farm, mm-hmm. like, make they produce on the actual farm many boysenberries so they have the boysenberry festival Mm. where you can eat specialty Mm. goods made with boysenberries and they release cool snoopy (laughs) merchandise say boysenberry again boysenberry (laughs) 
Sorry, I don't know where you were going with the Sally. I totally derailed. It's okay. Where are we going? They're at Six Flags. They're at Six Flags. That's really kind of where this this ends. Like, we kind of, like, have seen how Sally has created this version of the dark ride that can be put into these regional theme parks. So Disney's not the only one. And it's not made by, like, small fringe companies Mm. that go out of business. Like the Cat in the Hat, which is a a Mm -hmm. hellish hellish creation at this point nothing works correctly no one can really no one really knows how to fix it because the people who created it don't exist anymore Mm. and it i went on it when it was like new and i've seen video of it now that it's like Mm -hmm. busted and i'm like what the hell happened here (laughs) what's interesting is these places don't close them no like it's so fascinating that they don't like yeah i just wonder why it is that they don't close them because it's like Sally has clearly proven they have staying powder. They're, they seem to be like, we are the one, I guess, apparently, because no mm-hmm. one else stays. But it's like, what stops them from closing and, and hiring Sally to like put a new cat in the hat ride? Yeah, it's, sometimes it's just the the cost of, you know, like it's, it is more affordable, but still the cost of removing an old ride mm-hmm. and inputting like a new one. Like even Disney does not remove rides. Like sometimes they'll like rehaul them. But, you know, for example, like Journey into Imagination still runs as it is and like a couple it's kind of busted right now it's pretty busted ellen's energy adventure closed like five years ago and it was also really busted and Mm -hmm. the entirety of disney quest Mm -hmm. which was open way longer than it should have been was everything was busted jesus disney quest yeah (laughs) we've already talked about it start yeah we've already talked about it we can't go back i guess it's interesting (laughs) because it's this idea of like these rides like when you think about it, like, the rides are meant to bring people in to spend money in the park. Like, mm-hmm. they don't make money on the ride necessarily. They make money on the tickets and you buying, like, the overpriced stuff. Um, and maybe if they have merch, if the ride's really popular. Like, the Justice League one probably has merch. Yeah. They can make money on or something. There's a gift shop at the end, so. <laughs> it's And so it's, it's interesting to think that, like, how big an investment it must be running a theme park. Because they have to mm-hmm. think, like, will I make... I have no idea what this costs, like $20,000 off of this ride over the next three years or whatever, right? Yeah, it's like, will the attention that this ride brings to our park be worth it? Because it's a given that a roller coaster is going to get a lot of press. Is this little ride going yeah. to get enough people press? People love roller coasters. Mm-hmm. Is this little ride going to get enough press in order to bring people in? And this one, this one seemed mm-hmm. to. So we'll just have to see if like Six Flags continues their relationship with Sally Dark Rides, and we see like other properties, or if they'll just kind of keep relying on releasing SpongeBob 4D in all their parks. <laughs> <laughs> I need to know why no one talked about Joker the way they talked about Original Sally. Y'all were <laughs> y'all were real hot for Original Sally. How come you weren't like that? Joker, Joker's got a mouth, you know. And real teeth, too. I love the way they clack together, like, (laughs) the things of my nightmares. I love the bags under his eyes and how lovingly his face was airbrushed in that one scene in the video. (laughs) God, I'm never gonna get over... She's... And she's... She's good looking, too. Sir? Sir? Sir. Are you horny for Sally? (laughs) Speak into the microphone. (laughs) Before we go, I have a couple, um, just like a couple videos about where Sally is now and kind of like what they're working on. 
And I found a really cool thing that they're working on that they're trying to, like, shop around. So the first thing they did was in 2016, they created, they went to IAPA. Um, did I remember to write down what IAPA means? No. Um, IAPA is essentially just a big theme park convention for theme park professionals. So it's not like, I don't know if the public can get in, but it's... It's not really a thing for the public. If, like, a public person goes, they usually have, like, a YouTube channel, so they probably have, like, a journalism or a news news ticket. But it, it's, like, you know, this indus- big theme park industry event where, like, you know, the companies that make, like, ride vehicles will show off, like, a new ride vehicle that they designed. And so Sally creates concepts that they bring to IAPA of rides that they're trying to, that they've developed and they're trying to sell around. So the first one they've got, this was a 2016 Five Nights at Freddy's concept for a ride that they created, where you go mm. through and flash the flashlight as you go, which happens in the games. It's a game mechanic. And you go and you flash the flashlight at the animatronics as you go down the course. No one bought it. <laughs> I have a feeling that someone's probably interested in it right now like with the movie coming out i I, yeah i could see universal installing this they better not replace alien attack with this i would be devastated i love it's not a sally dark (laughs) ride but i fucking love men in black alien attack and that's not just because i'm good at it it's so good it's okay if it's because you're good at it brenda it's okay (laughs) i am good at it i know where to shoot another concept released in 2019 look at them it's garfield it's garfield it's your blurb he's got a pizza (laughs) john looks terrible but garfield looks great brenda's love for garfield is incredible This is a concept for a Garfield ride called Garfield's Underwater Adventure. And it looks really, really cool. And I think it's time for Garfield to have another dark Mm. ride that um, people don't have sex on. This is a story for another day. Hey, what? (laughs) Austin, I said that's a story story for another day. (laughs) What do you you mean? Goodbye, I guess. What do you mean? Bye, everyone. Thank you everyone for listening to this episode of Secret Histories of Nerd Mysteries. Our music was provided by Esperanza Asturion, and you can find more of her work at knifenun.bandcamp.com. Our introduction was narrated by Greg Aronica, and you can find him at Cafe3G on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. You can find us at Nerd Mysteries on Twitter, Blue Sky, and TikTok. The show is edited every week by Brenda Snell. If you love this show, please remember to leave us a five-star review on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you consume your podcast content. This podcast is a proud part of the Maximum Fun Podcast Network. See you for the next mystery, Mistorians! Maximum Fun, a worker-owned network of artist-owned shows supported directly by you.